Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Sounds extremely familiar. 
Um, she was on a, a little a little show just a few uh, months ago called The Voice, um, and was extremely successful on this show. But I want you to know we did not bring her to North Park Church today because she was on a TV show. Uh, we brought her to North Park today because we love her like nobody's business and she loves Jesus and is an anointed worship leader. And so um, I just want to introduce her to you. Um, her parents are here today, Mike and Jamil Mills somewhere. I can't see you because it's dark. Um, but would you give her parents, Mike and Jamil Anointed songwriters and leaders and, and preachers of the gospel, and I've known them my whole life, and uh, that's how we met was through your parents. And so uh, I'm so proud of you. I love you, and I want you to sing one more song. But I had to introduce you and let you know how proud I am of you. Can you give Brooke Simpson a big hand? Thank you so much. Give a hand for Pastor Anthony. He's an amazing family. How awesome are they? Like y'all are real. Well, blessed. Sorry. Okay, so uh, this next song I'm going to sing for you guys, um, this was actually my very first single ever, um, and it's called 2AM, and I actually, you know, Pastor Anthony bringing up the voice, I actually wrote this the night I got back, um, you know, after the finale, we flew straight home, and at that time I was living in Florida, and I just remember it was like midnight, and I'm sitting at my dinner table, oh no, I'm lying, the name of the song, 2AM. So it was 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting at my dinner table, can't sleep, and I'm crying and I can't really make out if it's happy tears, like joyful, because on one side I'm like, man, God, thank you so much for this opportunity, this was so cool, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, I met friends I'll have forever, learned things about, you know, the industry and my career that I didn't know before, um, but then on the other hand, it was kind of like, man, but you don't really go into a competition to not get first, you know, like third is cool, but... It was just a weird, bittersweet mix of emotions. And then I looked at my clock and I saw it was 2 a.m. And I was like, no one prepares you for this part. You know, when I was there in L.A., they prepared me for the glitz and the glam and the outfits and the wardrobe and the choreography and everything. But no one prepared me for that moment when I kind of felt like life threw me the craziest curveball where I didn't know what to do, who I was, what I was going to do next, anything. Um, so from that came this song, and I know that our stories may be extremely different, but no matter what your story may be, we all have that 2 a.m. moment. That moment when life throws us that curveball, we're like, what do we do now? Um, so yeah, this is 2 a.m. I hope you love it. Also, y'all give it up for Adam. He's my cousin, isn't he awesome? <laughs> Nobody told me I'd be this lonely Nobody told me about 2am Nobody told me I'd be this lonely Nobody told me Although I get it, just forget it, no words can do it justice. My daddy told me about the tears I cried. Although I never did expect to be trained in a river for
Amen and amen. Welcome to North Park Church. You could be anywhere in the world, but the fact that you're here means the world to us. You made our day when you walked through the door. Uh, this is our one thing weekend. Yesterday was amazing. Pastor Matthew Cornett was here and spoke to our volunteers in the afternoon and then again last night. If you were blessed by Pastor Matthew Cornett, could you let him hear him? He's not here today, but he's in Princeton, and so I'll tell him you did that. Uh, but we had a really great time, and today, not only are we kind of closing out our One Thing weekend, but our 21 days of prayer and fasting, but also the series we've been in over this last month called Maybe This Year. And as you dive in uh, to the Word of God, you can turn with me uh, to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 14. That's where we're going to be today, 1 Chronicles chapter 14. If you'll hit your YouVersion Bible app, go to Live Events, type in North Park Church. All of the scriptures are there for you. Some notes there that you can refer back to. And as you turn to those different places, uh, let me let you know that uh, Brooke is going to be in the lobby as you leave today. Uh, there's a table that's there. She's got some merchandise that you can take with her face on it, which is a, a, a cool thing. Uh, and maybe take a picture with her. Uh, if you don't want a picture with her, I'll be there. You can take a picture with me. And, and since I'm a songwriter too, you know, uh, she ripped off my idea too, I but, um, but make sure you go by and say hello to her. She's a, she's a beautiful voice, but she is just such a, just a sweetheart. So make sure that you do that. I want to start with a question today. When is the last time that you heard his voice? You know, this series, uh, maybe this year, we've been asking a lot of questions. Maybe this is the year that you would experience breakthrough or financially free to do God's will for your life or the, the year that, that you would see your marriage really flourish. Like whatever it is that you've been praying for and believing God for, maybe this is your year. And some of you would say, I just want to hear from God. And maybe this would be the year that I could really open my ears and my heart and receive what God has for me. But the reality is sometimes we do feel like it's 2 a.m. and we feel lonely in those moments. Fear begins to creep in. And, and, and the reality is like we just feel like even though the pastor keeps saying that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, to you, he feels like he's a million miles away. Silence. It's uncomfortable. And, and silence can be deafening, especially when you feel like it's God who's being silent. In this season of my life and, and our family, there are moments when Faith is so big. Like Pastor Matthew Cornett talked about last night, you just recognize there is nothing that my God can't do. But I also recognize that there are some moments in my life where I'm banging on my steering wheel and I'm screaming at God going, I love you, but it doesn't seem like you're doing a very good job right now. How is it that we can flip-flop between those two stances, right? In one moment, God, you can do anything. There's not a mountain that you can't move. And then in the next hour, screaming at God, do you not hear me? 
Are my prayers not getting to you? Do you, do you not see what's happening here? Do you, do you not understand what we're going through right now? Do, do you even care? There's not a person in this room that hasn't asked that question before. You just don't have the courage to speak it and say you had that moment. We all have those moments where we're like, God, why are you moving on our behalf? You're, you're doing something for this person, but what, what about us? Like, well, Do you not recognize what's going on right now? And you feel like God's ghosting you, right? Like You're praying, but he's leaving the message on red. You know, you know what I'm saying? Students, you know what I'm saying? You hate that, right? You left it on red, and you didn't respond, and you spent the next two hours mad because your friend did that to you. And sometimes it feels like God does that. It's like I'm praying. I'm doing everything I know to do. Pastor told me to do A, B, C, and D. I even added E, F, and G. And God, why do you seem so silent sometimes? If you, if you could do this for me really quickly, if you, if you go to Matthew, just turn to Matthew chapter 1, okay? I want you to do that really quick for you Bible. I hear three Bibles. We don't bring our Bibles to church anymore. All right. Matthew chapter 1. Do you want me to show it to you since you don't have your Bible in here? This is a Bible. It's okay. I use the digital version most of the time too. Matthew, okay? Do you see how long it takes me to get to the end of the Old Testament? What is that? One, two pages. But do you realize in reality those two pages, just that, 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 that moment of flipping from one page to the other, do you realize that that represents 400 years of silence? Oh, it's quick for you. I mean, you go straight from Malachi chapter 4 straight to Matthew chapter 1. That was 400 years of silence. And God's people were listening. And they were waiting. And they were frustrated. But there was silence. In that 400 years of silence between the Old and New Testament, God didn't reveal anything new. He wasn't speaking through His prophets. So what were His people doing? They were waiting. And probably freaking out. Like you do sometimes. And like I do sometimes. But then all of a sudden in the middle of that darkness, in the middle of that silence, light literally bursts through the darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, enters the scene. And that's how Jesus answered 400 years of silence. He arrived on the scene and salvation came to his people. But salvation didn't come without a challenge. And I'm just going to let you in on a secret. The best things of your life rarely do. The best things in your life don't come without some season of challenge or some heartache. But it's worth it. In 1 Chronicles chapter 14, King David, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, was up, a pretty, up against a pretty difficult challenge. This is what it says in verse 2, 1 Chronicles 14. It says, And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had greatly blessed his kingdom for the sake of the people of Israel. 
So David's the king now. And if you skip down to verse 8, it says, when the Philistines, and if you're not really a, a, a historian of the Bible, we constantly see the Philistines against the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people, and the Philistines, they were like the bad people. They, they were just the people, you didn't, that was the dark side. You didn't pull for the Philistines. And, and over and over, we see the Philistines and the Israelites just against one another. And when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. They were coming after King David. But David was told they were coming, and so he marched out to meet them. you got to understand, if you don't know much about David, he was a warrior king. Like he was not this king that sat up in a box somewhere and let everybody else do the work. Like David was a warrior, and he was celebrated as such. He was a man of courage and action. So we went out to meet him. And verse 9, it says, The Philistines arrived and made a raid in the valley of Rephraim. And so God, or David asked God. So David responded not by picking up the sword and running out to fight, but instead he fell on his knees and he cried out to God. And listen to what he asked. Should I go fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? What he was saying was, if I go out and I fight this battle, am I going to be assured of victory? There's a challenge. There, there's, a, there's a fight that's about to happen. My biggest enemy is raising their head once again. And if I go out to fight them like I've done over and over and over again, this time, will you, will you just let me know how it's going to turn And the Lord replied, yes, go ahead. I will hand them over to you. Now, this is significant because David was a bad dude. I mean, he's a warrior. Remember, this is a shepherd boy, same guy that, that would go out and, and protect his flocks by killing um, lions and bears. Thank you, right? And then he dropped a giant name. Goliath, right? And then they even had a song for David. Um, they, they, would, they would sing it as he would come by. And, and I, I don't know how it sounded, but it was like, David's killed his tens of thousands. Like they, they would celebrate him and chant as he would walk by. He was a warrior king. If he had all this experience and all this skill and all this strength and now all these resources, he's the king. Why would he go and inquire of the Lord whether or not he would win this battle. And here's why I, I believe he did this. Because the one thing that he wanted to be certain of was that he had God on his side. He was the king, but he knew that a much greater strength and confidence would come from relying not on his own ability, but relying on the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I can just imagine the scene, right? David's warriors, they're ready. I mean, they're ready to go into battle. They've heard, they know, they know the Philistines are coming. Man, they're sharpening up their swords and doing all the things they do. They're getting ready for the battle. And all of a sudden, they look over and David, King David, is on his knees. And, and I'm sure somebody had to ask, what's the king doing? And then there was probably some veteran soldier somewhere, some guy who knew how King David operated and said, oh, you just wait, you wait. Because here's what's happening. He's getting his marching orders right now. And when he comes back, you just wait. This is fixing to be really good. And it was really good. 
Because David, the man after God's own heart, not perfect, a man who fell over and over but was so quick to repent and put his hands back, his, his, his heart back in the hands of the Lord, this man after God's own heart, he recognized that his strength came from the Lord. And so in those moments, God was preparing him for the victory over every challenge that he would face. What are you saying? I'm saying those moments at 2 a.m. when you feel like God's silent. He's not silent. Like he's doing something in your heart. There's a preparation that's happening. He's not left you alone. He said he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. He'd be with you to the very ends of the earth. Just because you think he's silent doesn't mean he's not working. Just because you don't see his hand at work doesn't mean that he's not moving. He's doing something in this situation that you might not even be aware of, but you can be certain he is a God who can always be trusted. I, 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 I learn a lot from a lot of different places, and I am so excited. Something happening this summer is really cool. Do you know what's happening this summer? In June. Does anybody know what's happening? It's amazing. Anybody, we've waited for it for so long. Does anybody know? Top Gun's coming back out, right? <laughs> this is a big moment. Tom Cruise is back in business. I'm so glad I was worried about him not getting the paycheck, and so right, he's going to be okay. But the first Top Gun, it taught me about this idea of breaking the sound barrier. And, and, and did you know how fast the plane has to fly to outrun itself? That's how it breaks the, that's how it breaks the sound barrier. It has to outrun itself. Do you know how, how fast it has to go? 768 miles per hour. 768 miles per hour, a plane outruns itself and breaks the sound barrier. And modern planes do it pretty easily. But around World War II, scientists and engineers thought that a, 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 an actual manned aircraft would never be able to do that. And their hesitancy really didn't have anything to do with getting to that speed. They knew they could get to that speed. They, they had an issue with what happened at 767 miles per hour. Because when you got to 767 miles per hour, just one mile per hour short of outrunning itself and breaking the sound barrier, something very dramatic would happen. I mean, you imagine being in a plane hit 767 miles per hour. Let me just show you what happens. This happens, right? Like everything begins to shake and rattle and, 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 and the description of what would happen in those old planes when it hit 767, it would freak the pilot out so much instead of throwing the throttle down, they would inevitably just reflect just responsible, just pull back on that throttle. Because they weren't sure what was going to happen if they continued to press through the shake, the rattling, and the rolling. I mean, imagine being on an, on an, on a, on an old rickety roller coaster in midair. You know, that, that shaking and that, 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 that jostling that happens. And then all of a sudden, you're in midair. Not many people were brave enough to have the courage to throw the throttle down. Instead, what did they do? They pulled back. But here's what I want you to see. When we're chasing our dreams, when we're in the middle of the fight of our life, when we're at 2 a.m., here's what happens. The enemy raises his head. 
And all of a sudden, everything in your life, as you are just maybe one mile per hour from your victory, what happens, it seems like all hell begins to break loose and everything in your life just starts shaking. And so what do we do? We pull back and we begin to cower away because we don't like the challenges that we're facing in our lives. Some of you know exactly what we're talking about. You entered this 21 days of prayer and fasting because you were challenged to do so. And you thought, oh yeah, I can do that. That'd be easy. I'll just pull away from the plate a little bit. I'll just make a commitment to pray bold prayers every day. But here's what you weren't prepared for. That somewhere in the middle of that experience, the enemy would raise his head against you and come after you with everything he has within him. And everything in your life just started shaking. And what did it make you want to do? Pull the throttle back, because that's scary. But what I want you to see is in those moments, I believe you were just shy of experiencing the breakthrough that you so desperately want in your life. You just got to be willing to keep hitting the gas and trust in Jesus every step of the way. 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11, the story of David. Where did we go from here? The Bible says, so David and his troops went up to this place and defeated the Philistines there. And here's what David said. David said, God did it. God did it. And he used me to burst through my enemies. I love this. Like a raging flood. He didn't just say, I barely made it through that experience. I limped through that experience. I was scared out of my mind and I slid into home. No. Man, he's jumping up and down. But look what God did. Man, we threw the throttle down. We trusted him. We hit 768. And we outran ourselves. Man, God did something amazing in our lives. He used us to burst through our enemies like a raging flood. We've got to be willing to press through the challenges of our life. We've got to press through the 2 a.m. We've got to press through the, those moments where we feel like maybe God's even silent. See, I think faith is a really big deal. We have to have faith. We've got to believe. But the Bible says that even the demons of hell believe. So here's what I believe that we need. We need faith plus something else. I think we need faith plus action. We got to put our action behind our faith. David could have easily said, man, I believe that God's going to give us the victory today. And tell everybody, I believe God's going to give us the victory today. But at some point, we've got to be willing to pick up the weapons and go to war. We got to go to battle if we're going to see the victory that we so desperately need. We got some great friends in this church family who I love so dearly. And I love the encouragement that you give us. And sometimes I get the most beautiful texts from you guys. Man, you me, oh my goodness, words of encouragement, just affirmation. Man, we just believe that with, with, with you guys on our side and, and God on our side, there's nothing we can't accomplish together. I had somebody walk up to me at, at our prayer gathering this past Wednesday night and just hand me a, a sheet of paper. It was Amanda Kyle's. Amanda probably checked some of your kids in today. And, and what it said was three steps to wholeness is what it said. 
And I just kind of marked out wholeness. Oh, there's a man. I, I marked out wholeness and I wrote three steps to breakthrough. Three steps to victory. And here are the three steps. You got to make up your mind. You got to have a decided heart. You got to know it here first, right? You got to make up your mind that you want this victory. And the second thing said, we got to stop making excuses. We got to stop with the excuses. Let's just three, do what needs to be done. Let our faith move us into action. Pastor, what are you saying? Your faith will give you the courage to walk in obedience. Your faith is important. But if you want to see the, the walls fall in your life, if you want to see breakthrough, if you want to see this victory, you've got to be willing to walk in obedience. You've got to put some action. I read this morning in my devotion, if nothing changes, nothing changes. That's a pretty deep concept, right? We've got to be willing to do something different. I heard so many years ago, I was probably 18, 19 years old, I heard a powerful preacher of the gospel use these words. If you want to see God do something that you've never seen him do, it may require that you do something that you've never So every time you hit 767, you pull back on the throttle because, man, this is scary. I've never been here before. I've never experienced this before. I better pull back on this throttle. Man, let's throw it down. You want to know why David had so much confidence in 1 Chronicles chapter 7 or chapter 14? Let me tell you why. Because I've read 1 Samuel chapter 17 which preceded this experience. What am I saying? I'm saying he had confidence because he'd been here before. I mean, you go all the way back to David, who was just a teenager. I see our teenagers all over the room today. I believe in you so much, not for the church of tomorrow. I hate when people say, oh, look at the leaders of tomorrow. Look at the church of tomorrow. I beg to differ. You are the church of today. You are leaders today, and you are making an impact on the world today. And so here's David, this young teenage boy, and he's standing on a battlefield with Goliath, this giant, standing in his way, mocking him. And what did, what did, what did David say to that giant? Here's what he said. Here's what he said. You come, because his voice hadn't changed. It was really high, all right? But he said, you come to me with a spear and a sword. That's what he said. But Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. You come to me with a spear and a sword, but I am coming standing on the authority of Scripture and standing in the truth of God's Word. Like, I am standing here today because I know God is with me. And then he put a stone in that slingshot and he, he gave it a whirl and that rock found its place exactly where it needed to to drop that giant down in one moment. And see, that's the end of the story when you're in children's church. That's as far as they take that story. Like right then they give you a lollipop and they give you a coloring sheet and you get to go home because David knocked down the giant. That's not how he killed the giant. That's how he knocked him down. But if you keep reading, the Bible says, 
We've got smaller kids in here. I apologize, all right? But this is God's word. He then takes that same sword from Goliath and severs his head. And then he took the head of the giant and ran around with it like it was a trophy. And everybody that was fleeing from the Philistines in that moment, the Bible says they stopped what they were doing, they turned around, and they began to pursue their adversaries. Why? Because the strength and confidence of one person empowered everybody else to be who God had called them to be. So what am I saying? I'm saying, here's the first thing I'm saying, is that same sword, listen to this, y'all, this is so good. The same sword that the enemy used to intimidate David was the same sword that he used to take his head So what am I saying? I'm saying that challenge in your life that you feel like is the very thing that's going to destroy you, I believe is the platform that God will give you to share your story. And then the second thing that will happen is the faith that other people see in you, the obedience that they see in you, the action that they see in you, the celebration of your story will be the very thing that will empower somebody else to trust God in the same way. Some of us right now, we're at 767. And you have to decide what you're going to do.